You're listening to the All In Podcast with your hosts, Shane and Blake, giving you a new perspective on the dental industry. Are you ready to go all in? Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And welcome to the All In Podcast, the podcast that brings you a new perspective on so many things in every once in a while dentistry. And today is one of those dentistry days, guys. But I know you guys have missed me a lot, right? How do I know? Because I've been getting harassing DMs in my Instagram inbox. Anytime I run into one of you people at a meeting, you harass me about when the next recording is coming out. So here you go. I hope you're happy. And you really should be happy because this episode is all about you. No, 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 no. Not you, the listener. But Dr. Victoria Yu, who is our guest today. So let's all welcome Dr. Yu to the podcast. How are you, Dr. Yu? Shane, uh, I'm doing very well. That's such a creative use of my name. Never have anyone have done that. So You may not pick this up in her voice, everybody, but I believe she's being extremely sarcastic here. But I do know, Dr. Yu, that you are a fan of puns almost as much as I am, right? Potentially. Yeah. Potentially. I mean, you know, my name might have lent to that my entire life. So- Potentially, I'm, I'm interested and, and maybe good at that. Well, I apologize, but I'm going to keep using it as a pun because I find it hilarious. So I hope that's okay with you, Doctor. <laughs> you. <laughs> so, well, um, yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things I one of the things that I'm really really good at um, uh, is really making fun of myself. So, so oh, you're in you- you're in good company, and my audience knows this very well that I do so much dumb stuff that I rarely get embarrassed anymore. There you go. I, yeah, agreed. Agreed. Me too. So let's let's. So, let's, so Doctor Yu, you're the chief clinical officer at Mid Atlantic Dental Partners. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Can you tell everybody, kind of, give them the high level, fast forward version of how you got into de- like where you're from, how you got into dentistry, up to becoming a chief clinical officer at a very large dental service organization? Um, I feel like you know you're asking me to write one of those. Uh, online dating uh, profiles, mm-hmm. which, which I did um, a few years ago, uh, or <laughs> some stuff, and um, I wasn't very good at it, so I just made it super short. Um, so I will, I will continue in that. Um, I am Victoria Yu. Uh, I am a clinician at heart. Um, I, I am. A, I graduated from University of Maryland, did a little training at Johns Hopkins. Um, and then subsequent to that, I worked for a fee-for-service practice, uh, outproduced my boss. He didn't like that. Didn't like it. You'd be making him money, right? <laughs> well, I know. I mean, funny enough, I was on a pure salary, right? And he just didn't like that because I, I guess I used his, uh, his uh, you know, his iTero machine at the time or, you know, the, the scanner at the time way back when too much. Um, <laughs> so I had to leave that situation and I, I joined a local DSO and, and was their top producer. Uh, subsequent to that, you know, joined Heartland and opened up my own practices. Now I'm the chief clinical officer of 240 practices uh, under the umbrella of Mid-Atlantic Dental Partners. Um, it's been a tremendous ride and I continue to to try to uh, make fun of myself in front of more and more people. So <laughs> Rose, hopefully more and more doctors can, can realize that dentistry isn't uh, so boring and so stodgy and that, you know, the, the dentists of tomorrow are actually human beings and, 
you know, we will achieve a lot of success if we are able to just really care for people. And I think that's, that's an important component of care that I bring to, to my clinicians and focus. A hundred percent, put the patient first. And if you do the, the right things to the patient, everything else falls in line, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mean it. Yep. So you ever seen the movie Office Space? I have. Yeah. You have? Do you know that one part where they bring in the consultants and they're kind of interviewing anybody? So I'm going to do this to you. So as a, a chief clinical officer, what would you say it is that you do here? <laughs> um, <laughs> like what's your day to day, right? Like how, how does that work? So do you, do you still practice? Cause I know some CDOs or CCOs don't actually con, uh, continue to practice. Are you practicing right now? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think a lot of people ask that question, not because they don't see me push out product, but because, you know, they, they just, they wonder what I'm doing and, you know, am I in an ivory tower somewhere? <laughs> um, no, absolutely not. Um, as you can see, not many of your speakers, I'm in an office where it's a hot mess uh, behind me and there's a calendar of events that I need to keep up with. Um, I have a lot of meetings with vendors. Um, I focus on quality of care for the clinicians. I focus on support of my, my doctors um, through any issues that they may have. Um, we come up with initiatives that, you know, drive the, the clinicians to focus on comp care. Um, we put together, uh, and by we, I mean, really just me, um, and, and <laughs> um, who, who I've garnered from other, other departments in my company. Um, and, uh, we, we put, put on CE events for our clinicians. Um, we partner with vendors. Um, you know, I help doctors with, with patient issues that they may have, um, any questions with operations really. Um, and you know, it's endless amounts of meetings and calls, uh, all the time. And then I just basically fall asleep at my desk and, you know, get up the next day and do it again. Well, don't tell anybody that, right. I want to tell, we'll take that part of the podcast. I'm not taking it out folks. I'm not <laughs> taking it out. Right. So how has that transition been from, you know, being in every day, uh, I'm practicing dentistry. Like how did that even come about or the want come about to move into a role like this? Right. Yeah. Really the business side of dentistry and representing kind of all the doctors within the organization essentially. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good question. Um, how does one, you know, do four years of school, four plus years of school after college to train on a very technique sensitive surgical procedure and then want to leave it to to, to become a, a representative. So at the other DSO, um, you know, there it was evident uh, that, you know, new grads, doctors coming out of school were uh, in need of guidance and uh, guidance from clinicians who've gone through the process more so than from an operator who was just driving through numbers because, you know, they don't quite understand what it's like to be a doctor and to, to sure. be short-handed dental assistant and hygienist and still have to get through and still uphold quality. Um, so, so I saw the need there and I mentored a few doctors and then having had my own practices, um, you know, thriving practices that we, we then brought on associates there. I mean, you know, it's just glaringly clear that, you know, someone needed to step in to kind of groom the doctors and help them. Sure. Uh, because when you graduate, like we're really just all very lost souls and we're hopeful that we have a mentor, um, but, but partner with the right mentor, you know, a career could really yeah. 
and take off. Um, and if if no mentor exists, then we're lost. At, we're at the mercy of which which uh, course is marketed the best to our to our. Inbox. Yeah, that's that's kind of well said because just because you market it well, it's kind of like with Dennis, right? You could be an amazing marketer. You may get tons of patients in, and patients don't really know if it's good until after the fact, right? And even after the fact, they may not actually know till later. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, you're so right, Shane, because, you know, and, and I felt a need uh, because I, I've gone through a lot of the struggles that clinicians shouldn't have to go through um, that I, f- I feel compelled. Can you be specific? <laughs> Just like, I'm actually curious, like, what are some of the struggles that you, because there's a- absolutely people listening right now who are probably going through the same struggles that you went through. Yeah. Um, good question. Let me, let me give you specifics. Um, for example, you know, I, I graduated and I wanted to be, you know, a fee for service because at school Mm -hmm. you think, uh, you know, I don't want to deal with insurances. I'm going to be, you know, providing, uh, I don't know, salt scrubs, pedicures, the waterfalls. And that's (laughs) what I'm going to have. Right. Um, that's what they kind of teach you in school. And then you hear that DSOs are really just mills where, you know, they, they churn and burn dentists. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and from my experience, that is absolutely not true. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I would agree with you. In fact, uh, I mean, you know, from my experience, I think, you know, practice of dentistry under a, an umbrella, a, a support group umbrella, there is more quality control. Um, and in fact, more courses and more focus on growth of the clinician than there would be at a private practice. Um, so yeah, that, that's actually true. Cause you actually have somebody like you saying, I'm assuming you go to your clinicians and say, Hey, what do you want? Right. Right. And then see if you can produce that. If you're a private practice, it's just you, right? Like it's, it's me. I got to figure it out on my own, which can be a challenge. Right. And by the right. way, to, to kind of comment on that, you know, some people consider DSOs mills. Listen, there's good private practices, there's bad private practices, and there's everything in between. And that is the exact same thing for the DSO market, right? It's, it's, there's good, bad, and great, actually. So, and everything in between those. So, um, that's why I I would say is, uh, would you advise a young, you know, dental student or somebody coming right out of school who's like, well, maybe I'll go into DSO first to not just check in with one, (laughs) right? Possibly look at a few just to see the differences. Yeah, I think it's important. And and I've given um, talks on this specifically to dental schools and ASDA kind of groups across the nation, um, you know, what to look for in a practice joint. And like you said, there's a breadth of great to, you know, absolutely awesome private practices. Mm-hmm. And there are DSOs, you know, that are on that on that spectrum as well. Um, I think it's important to to ask for, you know, clinical autonomy, clinical mentorship, that's going to be available, um, education, that's going to be, you know, yeah. either in person or virtual, right? We're just coming out of the COVID world. Um, how, how much did uh, said DSO pivot uh, so that, you know, the clinicians are still afforded the opportunities to grow in their clinical abilities um, during COVID? I think, I think the creativity um, of the clinical team uh, to to continue to focus their clinicians on care and elevating their knowledge base um, is good indication on how much you know a DSO is really wanting their doctors to to lift their their value every day. 
So, Dr. Yu, do you see a direct correlation between the quality of education and the quantity of education that, let's say, your group provides for your clinicians? Um, and does that correlate directly to increased production, increased increase quality care, and, and increase satisfaction among your clinicians? I'm, I'm very curious on this one. Um, I think that's a really good question. It's very loaded. Um, I think, you know, just because someone is constantly getting educated as in taking week after weekend course on, you know, X and then Y and then Z um, does not necessarily translate to increased care um, in that uh, what really is important in the thoughtfulness of the curriculum provided from uh, a clinical director like me uh, or a chief clinical officer is uh, the actualization and the execution of the learning immediately after learning, because mm-hmm. statistics have shown that if you don't use what you just learned, you lose about, you know, 40% after week one and then 60% after week two. And then after week three, you know, if you go to an implant course, endo uh, course, whatever you do, you haven't used it yep. week four, you might as well not have gone. So when we put on programs there's a lot of planning in advance of it and scheduling a patient to ensure my doctors use this skill um, or if it's a general training that they are uh, able to execute on it. And there's a lot of training uh, in the operational counterparts um, that that ensures that the doctor is able to see lift in their productivity or um, or their ability to provide comp care. So you know, that's also, that does make sense. Right. So you had to learn something and then actually do it. (laughs) So you retain it. Right. And then move forward. Yeah. Now you mentioned before that you, you know, your first practice you outproduced at this, uh, the owner of this fever service practice. Right. And then you came into a DSO and you, you know, were extremely high producer there. How did you, you know, what's the methodology for that? Like, is that just a skill set you had? Like, how did you, how did you immediately come in and produce? Um, I mean, talk about, uh, give you an example of uh, over eagerness. I, I used to, you know, within my first year of practice, I, I love endo. Um, I, I, in fact, love everything about clinical practice um, to the point where I would diagnose a patient needing root canal and I would like clap my hand and say, you're going to need a root canal today. Like you, you know, Shane, you <laughs> be <you're> excited. Gonna- <laughs> I know, I'm so excited. You get to do, you're going to need a root canal. And, you know, at a fee-for-service practice, a root canal build of a crown was like, what, five grand? Yeah. So not only, so, so you know, the treatment planner, office manager had to take me aside and, and tell me, hey, you know, Dr. Yu, um, just so that you know, like, you shouldn't probably be saying that because you're freaking patients out. Or <laughs> she was much Um, How was I able to become so successful? I think, you know, my, 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 Honestly, my, you know, I grew up with uh, grandparents who, who are physicians, who are surgeons, um, and it's been instilled in me that it's my duty to do something good for humanity. And I, I really saw taking care of people, uh, getting them out of pain, preventing them from having pain um, as the ultimate calling. So it didn't matter to me, like how much, you know, whatever it costs. It, it's just if I knew my patients needed it, um, I took it to heart sure. to communicate to them that this is what they need. And I think they could feel the genuineness of my, my desire to help. Um, and, you know, I would stay through lunch, stay after, 
you know, to provide the care that they needed, I wouldn't be like, oh, well, it looks like, you know, I'm out, right? I have a, you know, yoga class, I have a date, nothing. See you like, later. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll see you in five, you know, a week. I wouldn't do that. And I, you know, and I actually, um, I lived about an hour away from uh, the local DSO, the, the practice where I practiced. And it, and, it, and we worked seven to seven and it wasn't uncommon for me to stay until eight, eight 30, um, and then drive the hour home because I, you know, my patient who came in at six 30 needed something done. And, you know, I just didn't want to say no to that person. Cause I knew they were in pain or whatever. I remember doing, um, an extraction and a bridge, um, until like eight 30 and the patient was so appreciative. Like oh, her yeah. husband came in. You know, it was just, I think things like that people can feel. Sure. So nothing extraordinary. I mean, I haven't had any, you know, any personality training or anything. I think just um, probably just blessed with good examples in my, in my upbringing. So I'm going to give you what those three things are based on what you said, because I get to listen to it. So authenticity, you're just being honest with patients, telling what they need. Uh, empathy, you're, you'd stick around longer, right? Uh put yourself yeah. in their shoes. Like I wouldn't want to come back in a week. Right. Like if I'm in pain and then yeah. hard work, <laughs> like those are that's pretty much it. I mean, that's pretty simple, but that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, um, good summary. You know, um, I was helping my son do his project on a Thomas Edison and he's named Edison. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, apparently I didn't know this until, you know, I, I did the research with him, sure. but Thomas Edison did something like 3000 uh, trials for the light bulb to actually work. So if anything, you know, uh, grit and persistence is the key to success, but it's, it's not at all sexy. And also stealing like, ideas from others, because I do believe that Thomas Edison may or may not have, have borrowed some of those ideas <laughs> <laughs> and was very good Absolutely. at working with patent clerks, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> He was, uh, he was very crafty. Correct. But I I didn't quite think that was important to include in an eight year olds, you know, that kind of, I do. I think when they're eight years old is a perfect time to just say, Hey, people suck. Right. Yeah. People are out for themselves. You, yep. You should definitely highlight that to your class. (laughs) (laughs) My son, one of my sons is actually eight as well. So I think I'm going to go when he gets home from school today, I'll go ahead and go ahead and give him that lesson. (laughs) I think that's, you know, if you need a PowerPoint, I'll shoot it over. It's uh, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yep. Why People Suck by Dr. Victoria Yu. <laughs> Why would you put my name on that, Shane? Like, oh, you said you had a presentation. All right, by Shane McElroy. That's fine. I'll, I'll take. I'll, yeah. I'll pull an Edison and I will steal you your presentation. That's right. Do what you got to do, man. Like it's, it's yours. I'll do. <laughs> That's how I, I I claim other people's ideas all the time. It just if you say it out loud first, then it's yours. So. Yeah. Or if you say it louder, yeah. Yeah, kind of. Go ahead, right. Go for it. Um. Let me, let me ask you this. So there's a lot of consolidation going on in the market right now. I mean, obviously everybody knows that, you know, DSO is the future, right? Like group organizations, like that is what's coming. The market's consolidating, uh, whether they, people like it or not is what it is, but there's also consolidation within that market itself. So you got a lot of mid-sized DSOs being grabbed by large ones. You got, uh, mid-sized coming together and merging and you guys not too long ago went through a merger, right? with Perfect Teeth, Mid-Atlantic Dental Partners, Perfect Teeth, and Dental One. Can you take us through kind of that process? Because that's, I think that's what a lot of people don't experience or understand. They hear about it. Yeah. What is that process like? Uh, you're, you're so right in uh, kind of forecasting the future of dentistry. 
Um, I do believe and, you know, industry leaders as well that DSOs will be the future of, of practice for our profession. Mm-hmm. Um, now, having gone through uh, the integration of two, of three large companies to arrive at the current uh, 240, about 240 practices, um, it's not an easy feat, right? Because yeah. think about, you know, if you merge you know, even two people together, there's personality differences, there's philosophical differences, you know, there's different uh, mindsets from different parts of the country, Um, obviously different processes that have kind of guided the growth of the, the, the entities to its current size, and potentially some bad habits that are deeply ingrained. Um, So, have gone through integrating the two large kind of massive beasts together to make, make the, the larger parent one. Um, it's, it's interesting. It feels a bit like uh, <clears throat> a plane taking off, um, but us having to build the plane as quick as we can uh, <laughs> and learn, learn about the different, you know, what's good from both and, and coming up with the, the a, an ultimate, better way of doing things that that we can present to our clinicians and partners um, and have them want to adapt it. So it's so a very interesting um, and very much, <clears throat> excuse me, based on uh, relationships. Oh, yeah. So communication. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> but where do you start, right? Like, so is it the, and, and where do you decide, are we going to keep the brand names? Are we going to merge them all into one? Are we going to do individual practice names? Like, is that the start of it? Like, what's the first part of that process after the, obviously there's the business side of acquisition, right? Like that's, you know, mergers and acquisition, let's put that to the side. But like, once the acquisition is done and the merger is done, you know, what is the first place? Is it, it's just communicating in relationships? Is that where it starts? Um, you know, we, uh, my, my partner and I, we were, we're very much people, 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 uh, <laughs> and I, um, and, you know, we thrived on uh, being with our people. Mm-hmm. And the first step we took um, was to have like a world tour where the teams met us, maybe shared a meal with us um, or heard us. Um, and was, you know, we were able to get everyone together in a centralized location um, <clears throat> most initially and, and share uh, very transparently our mission and our vision uh, because that's, you know, we need alignment behind that. Uh, in order for us all to kind of row in the same direction in the boat. Um, subsequent to that, you know, very much focused on relationship building. And then subsequent to that is process building and systems yep. um, where we would identify, you know, what each company was doing. Um, and that led to, you know, whatever result they got. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we would either uh, fix that and make it better, or, you know, we would completely change it. Um, of course, with, you know, with the agreement of the clinicians who are in practice. Um, I think, you know, being very careful and thoughtful in the analysis process um, is what a lot of our clinicians really appreciate it, right? Um, Some of the things where, you know, you need new, you know, paint on the walls, like if it it was within budget, we try to get that done. Um, You know, making our doctors happy, making our hygienists and our, our dental assistants, office managers, I think field operations is where, you know, that they're the most important people. And then we kind of looked at corporate structure subsequent to that. Um, and sure. then kind of building a team to support our missions was, you know, kind of the last step of that. 
<laughs> By the way, I, I completely agree with your assessment. Like the, anybody in the field, right? That's directly dealing with the patients is the most important. In the same way, like for a sales organization, right? Um, yeah. You know, I used to be out in the field for a long time, and then we're both behind a desk a lot of times right now. And I yeah. tell them all the time, I go, I've become less important. Like you guys are the most yeah. important part of it. And it's that interaction. That's the face of the company. That's the patient interaction. Yeah. And that's going to make or break you, you know? So it's got to be the people engaging with the patients. Yeah. And we, we always felt um, as a leadership group that if we took care of our clinicians, then they're able to do what's most important in our, in our company, which is caring for, for patients, but it's not, it's no longer, you know, our job to take care of the patients by any stretch. And they're not, you know, it's, it's the, it's, if we do our jobs, right. Then our clinicians can focus on right. That care. Oh yeah. Um, and it's so good to see you guys um, who aren't able to see this, but Shane is literally sitting in an ivory tower. Yep. So it's awesome. That, you know, it's awesome. He's really, you know, <laughs> it's cool there, optimal amount of lighting and moisture. <laughs> it's a dark, dingy office. I have to turn off my overhead lights because they make a buzz. So it picks up the recording. So it's the exact opposite of Ivory Tower. My wife gets to sit in her office in the Ivory Tower and I get relegated to the the, the basement in the little closet. <laughs> Where I belong, right? Where I belong. All right. I've got a very serious question for you now. Um, you mentioned that, uh, and you brought this up, which is why I'm bringing it up, that you were filling out an, an online dating thing, right? Let me ask you, which platform yeah. did you use? And there's a reason I'm asking, and I'll explain after that. Is it like Match.com or is it like, uh, I don't even know what the ones out there are now. Um, well, in light of the Johnny Depp and Amber <laughs> Heard situation, I feel like you're pulling um, a, what's her name? The Vasquez lawyer <laughs> trick. Now wait is that the good is that the good lawyer or is that the defense, uh, the defense? Yeah, yeah, okay yeah, good sweet good i'll take it other one on the other side is like completely uh, can i uh ask a question i um, mm, objection but you asked the question I, mm, mm, that is not a good attorney <laughs> yeah she was you know she amber probably found her on groupon um uh where what what website did i use i i used okay cupid okay cupid um, i'm not familiar with that one and are you or not? Like you're, well, you're okay. Married. So here's why I actually met just, so you know, I met my wife on match.com, but this was oh, yeah. 13 years ago, right? Before, like at the time I was yeah. embarrassed to talk about it. Like, how'd you guys meet? It was like, well, yeah. you know, uh, match.com. Yeah. It's t- <laughs> now everybody, it's weird if you don't meet well, on a site, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nowadays people are so, you know, anxious and there's no outlet. Um, but but like my dates from that, I used to call um, okay stupid. Like, <laughs> I, like I used to call. I, I used to think I was stupid for doing that. Um, but no, I, I mean there there are plenty of good people on plenty of good websites. I think nowadays that people can meet on, and it's very romantic that you met your wife on uh, Match.com. No, everybody thought it was so a weirdo at the time, right? Nobody at that point in time, nobody wanted to admit to it, right? Uh, you want to hear a, a interesting confession on my part? That will embarrass me, That's not you. Secrets forever. Yeah, so don't tell anybody so they don't know. My wife still gives me crap to this day. So what I noticed on, on profile, like if you check out women's profiles, they always have like you set in, right? Like a, this is the height range. This is, you know, these different things you're kind of looking for, right? And 5'9 was the cutoff, right? Like every single time it was like, if you're under 5'9, I want nothing to do with you, right? There was like, yeah. 
there might be a, a, a couple people on there that's cool with that, but most of them were not um, ideal for, for me at the time. <laughs> that's the nicest way I can put it. So I maybe stretch the tooth, truth because like about five, six, uh, five, seven, right? And I put five, yeah. nine and, and my wife uh, on our first date, she she told me this later. She's like, I got out of the car and I wore my tallest heels and you were definitely not five, nine. I was like, yeah, <laughs> but- that little stretch of the truth worked out really well for you, honey. Right? <laughs> wow. 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 Thank God you're a good liar. Should I? I, no. I it's not a lie. I, I mean, if you, if I put on like heels too, I could be maybe five. You put on heels. It is yes. a stretch of the truth, a stretch of the truth. Yeah. And it's not really a good liar. If you get caught immediately, uh, as she opens the car door on your first date. So <laughs> and all it took was her her eyes to be functioning for you for you to be caught. That's that's hilarious. Well, she saw this that. really but tiny guy who was just strikingly handsome, you know, great at conversation. Yeah. Great conversation. No, she she that's actually told me that. she didn't like me that much after the first date. I was like, Well, you went on a second date. She's like, Yeah, fair enough. She thought I was cocky. Yeah. I was actually really nervous. That's the truth. Aww. And maybe a little cocky at the time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you obviously have found the right person and you guys, you know, I was going to ask you what your secret was uh, with your wife, 13 years. That's, that's a, that's a tremendous feat. Right? Yes. Uh, the secret <laughs> is, um, <laughs> I don't know if there's a <laughs> secret is other than just communicating as much as possible. And, and like, especially when things aren't going well, cause it's not always going well. Right. You just gotta like, try and talk about it and be as honest as possible. And my mistake early on in our relationship was burying stuff down and then blowing up later and not blowing up and like screaming, yelling, just like I would, instead of addressing something, I would let it build up and, and she yeah. does it differently. Like I'd let it build up and one thing would bother me. And then I bring it up later, not that much later Yeah. for her. She has a, a mental scoreboard in her head. Like I did the dishes and I did this and this and this, and this, what did you yeah. do? And, yeah. and I don't do that. Right. Like, and I don't know if it's because no. I don't do anything or I think it's more so that I don't have a checklist, right? Like I don't, I don't have this. And then she knows that, that she brings that up. So um, both of us getting better at that and, and valuing what the other person does in the relationship more than what you do, right? Or try to recognize yeah. it. Anyhow, that's my love spiel. I love, that. I love that. So, so like her love language is like, uh, not words of affirmation, but like actions of service or something like that. Right. That's, that's probably. Yeah. Hers. It's actions of service, but only the services that she wants. And and I don't mean that. I'm not even saying that sarcastically. Like, like if I mow the lawn, she doesn't think about that as like doing something. Right. I got you. I got you. Yeah. Like she cares about yeah. So it'd be doing stuff that's like the dishes and stuff, or she doesn't like folding laundry. I'm like, I like folding laundry. Well, I don't like it, but I was like, I don't hate it. So like, yeah. I was like, I'll pick up that slack there, you know? So just communicating in that and when you're getting, you know, and just knowing that when it gets bad, like as long as you, well, not always, <laughs> right. But like, it, you know, everything's up and something. down. Right. And as long as the yeah. other person's putting in as much as you are, you know, um, and you love each other, yeah. then hopefully it'll work. You like yeah, you're right. Sometimes you put in a hundred, sometimes she puts in a hundred and you know, yeah. but, you're a dude at work. So yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Gotcha. But everybody, so Whatever. okay, Cupid is okay, oh, stupid. <laughs> Do you know how many people I've now offended in this short 30 minutes? A lot. How many like companies 
we I personally have offended. Oh, right? no, like, nobody cares. Nobody in the dental industry is going to care that you said that about OKQ because if they find somebody on it, it works out great, right? I mean, you know, I think they should use it. Absolutely. It's, it's, you know, you and your wife um, having had a 13 year relationship already successfully is testament to Match.com's like algorithm. Yeah. Well, I, so, I would say yes, uh, maybe. Also, maybe. luck, right? Because that was yeah. her last day and my last day, right? Interestingly enough. Oh, on, on Match.com. Yeah. Cause you had like, no, she had like a three, three month trial. I'm like, ah, I'm not really like, I went on dates, but I didn't obviously yeah, yeah. You, it's just like anything else. You know, it's more like a baseball yeah. batting average. You're not going to hit a home run with every single date, right? <laughs> Ever. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. so I probably went on 10 different dates with 10 different and, and just so happened yeah. to be the last one. What? Well, I it makes sense. Out. Right. <laughs> if, of course. Well, yeah. Meant to be. Yeah, maybe we'll see. We'll see if she keeps me for the next 13. I don't know. Um, Stay tuned to find out. Um, so <laughs> uh, let's wrap it up with this. What are you excited about in the future of, you know, specific to you and dentistry with your group? Uh, like as far as what, maybe it's some of the building education, maybe it's uh, be able yeah. to treat, help more patients. And on the other side, what scares you about where the industry is going? Like, do you have any fears about it as well? So what's going to be good and what are you, you know, you know, fearful of? Oh, great question and great, great concluding points. Um, I am very excited about growth um, uh, in the DSO arena, period, Um, because I think a lot of the DSOs, um, the top DSOs have a real focus on curriculum for their clinicians and growing their doctors, Um, because, you know, we all know, uh, you know, in the leadership groups that keeping a doctor whom you grew through your program of sorts um, is, is going to be a huge win for your company. Oh yeah. Um, so there's a lot of focus, right? A lot of focus partnering with vendors um, to, to do that. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about um, seeing what kind of better support can set DSOs apart from uh, the niche mom and pop or, you know, the fee for service guys and gals. Um, I, I think, you know, with, with with numbers come power Mm -hmm. um and that that i want to see all of us leverage to uh get more support for our clinicians because again they're the heart of the practice um what i am afraid of uh i don't know nothing nothing really scares me i i don't love uh i mean i i guess i don't love the the lack of uh applicants, if you will, like, you know, team members, you know, in light of the pandemic, we had a great resignation. Um, And I don't know that if it's going to continue or, you know, if we're going to need to evaluate some, some uh, augmentation from international waters or something. I I just, I want our doctors and our hygienists and teams to be, to have full teams um, and to be able to operate uh, efficiently and to have everything they need. And, and that does, involve humans and, yep. and good people to want to work and, and be a part of the solution. Uh, I think, I think the talent um, in that pool is hard to find. Yeah. And you know, with, with competitors uh, like Chipotle and McDonald's offering, Oh yeah. Whatever. Right. It's just, yeah. I, I want to have those people who are smart, who are hardworking alongside our doctors and hygienists. Yeah. Um, and not- not so much at fast food. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, the thing about the fast food place, what's interesting about this fast food places, you start to see the integration of, of 
ordering yourself through a computer. Like they're introducing that as a hybrid right now in certain places and, and that will eventually replace them. That'll actually help other industries. Cause I got to tell you right now, I travel a lot right now and yeah. the service and, and forget about dentistry. Cause everybody's having the same issues. Like anywhere I go is the same. Everyone's understaffed right now. People don't want to come back to work. Like whether it's a restaurant, uh, anything in service related, like a travel agency trying to book a flight, you have to wait on three hours because they got had to get rid of everybody because nobody's traveling. And then that you have to rehire and do all that kind of stuff too. So it's it's not dental is not certainly immune to it, especially with, you know, assistants and, and office staff. Um, but I hope that turns around because I don't know that that's a great point and a great concern. Let's call it not a fear, but a concern going forward. Um, not just for DSOs, but private practice as well, like that talent pool, yeah. you know? Um, yeah. what do you think is a solution to that? Like, is it, I mean, everybody's going to say it's money, right? Like pay them more, but yes, but what else can you do? Let's put that, that's the easy answer, but what else is it? What do they want? You know, is it, is it, I want to have, uh, cause what you don't see with the system is career path. Right. And yeah. I think a dental service yeah. organization could set that up better than anybody else could. Yeah. Um, I think you're right. I think you know, uh, putting empathy is going to be a great solution. Empathy from the leadership teams um, from uh, would be important because if we put ourselves in the shoes of a dental assistant who is, you know, stressed because he or she is new and, and trying to support a clinician who's running two columns or one column, whatever, um, or a front desk person, business associate who's who's trying to check in patients, check out patients, and then treatment plan and, yeah. and insurances. So, so what, what, what can be done is have, you know, departments that could alleviate the stresses of daily operations. Some more specialization um, within, right. Within the actual practice itself too. Exactly. Exactly. So that they don't have to submit insurance, right? That's a, you just solved the problem for the whole industry on the fly. That is impressive. (laughs) She's brushing off her shoulders, everybody. I love it. They can't remember. They can't see you. <laughs> well, that's how I roll. Solutions by you for you. By you for you off the cuff. That's what's up. That that should be your podcast, right? People come bringing you that's, questions, right? No one would listen to that. Uh, yeah. My mom listens to this and like a couple other oh. people. <laughs> Shane is an amazing mom. She's he's he's really been quite quite the host and very impressive. Yeah, and very you don't impressive. have to tell her that and she she has a mental disorder where she thinks everything I do is amazing, <laughs> and that's been going on for a long time. <laughs> Bless yeah, her heart. Bless her heart. <laughs> uh, everybody else sees right. what she does not. Um, well, let me ask you this: so you, you talk about mentorship and and want to you know help younger doctors coming up. If somebody is interested in speaking to you, whether it's uh, about Mid-Atlantic Dental Partners or just wants to reach out, maybe make contact with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Um, They should probably text me. Texting me. Okay. Let's not give out your cell phone number on here. So Let's not do that. Yeah. How about an email maybe? An email or Instagram? That sounds good. I don't have Instagram. I I have Instagram. I don't know what the name is. Okay. So... So when you, all right, get, how about an email? Will that work? I have one of those. I do. What, what is that? So we'll tell everybody um, else that they want to reach out to you. Is that okay? I got it. Yeah, of course, please. Um, I was ready to give out my cell phone number, personal cell you phone. Can so do of course, email. You can do it. I would just not recommend it. Let's not do that. Let's, let's not, start with let's email not first. Let me make 
yeah, victoria.u at mid-atlantic.com. And you is spelled Atlantic. Y-U, by the way, not Y-O-U. Okay. Wow. So That's, victoria yeah. period U, Y-U at mid-atlantic.com. All right. Perfect. So for you up and coming dentists out there, maybe staff members or people interested, you can reach out Dr. Yu there. At that point, she may consider giving you her cell phone number. We will not do that on the air though. (laughs) You're welcome, Dr. Yu. Um, And if you're younger, you can tell uh, Dr. Yu why the importance of she should really establish an Instagram account to communicate with all those young folks out there. That is my recommendation. Well, you know, after this, Shane, you and I will get on uh, some kind of thing. and and I'll 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 show you how to do it. If I can figure it out, anybody can. All right, everybody. (laughs) So thanks for tuning in, Dr. Yu. Thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate you. Um, But guys, you can tune on the next episode of the All In Podcast. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to the All In Podcast. See you next time.